This episode is brought to you by Outback Traders, specialising in providing quality Western apparel, boots, hats, clothing, right across rural Australia. Hello and welcome to Outback Stories, a podcast about extraordinary people living in the bush. You're joined as always by regional journalists Lucy Samuels and Lucy Taylor. Um, In 2000 I went and pegged an old mine out in the field. First day down the mine, found a run of opal, a seam of opal, and it just and it ran and it ran and it. The ran. first day. First day down opal. Oh well. Hello and welcome back. For this week's episode, we flew out to Whitecliffs, an opal mining town that literally only has about 100, 150 people living there max. This place is most renowned for being the oldest commercial opal field in Australia, as well as being one of the only places in the world where you can actually find white opal. There you have it. So forget Lightning Ridge, forget Coobapedi, get out to Whitecliffs and get underground and try your luck. You tried your luck, didn't you? I found opal. <laughs> but what about flying in and looking down and seeing over 55,000 mining shafts? They literally looked like mole holes coming out of the ground. It's like we were landing in a foreign country. But when we landed, we were picked up by local man Dick Wagner, who relocated to Whitecliffs over 30 years ago, chasing the multicoloured stone. And after striking it lucky underground, he now owns two shops where he sells his opals. This is Dick Wagner. Good afternoon, Dick. Good afternoon, girls. Thank you for having us and lending your car here in Whitecliffs. Oh, that's a Whitecliffs thing. Can you tell us a bit about Whitecliffs? Okay, it was the first commercial opal field. They first found it here in 1887 or 1888. Um, Some guys are out culling kangaroos and they saw this pretty stone on the ground, didn't know what it was, picked up some bags of it and eventually, it took them quite a while, but they ended up in Adelaide with it. Story goes they got it off at £140 for the parcel now in, in 88 or 89 or whatever it was. Would have bought you half a dozen houses. It was a lot of money, right. a lot of money. So they thought, oh, this is a go. So they came back, and in those days, your lease size was 40 acres, um, and miners came out and worked on the treaty system. So most of them caught the paddle steamer up to Wilcannia and walked from there. They were lucky they had a wheelbarrow with all the worldly possessions. So they walked past here on their way to Milparinka, which was the uh, next gold prospecting area uh, that they'd found. Some of them detoured into Whitecliffs and dis- thought they'd have a go with um, mining, uh, mining for opal. So the the deal was that they would come and mine on whoever owned the lease. They'd mine on that lease and got 50% of um, what they were able to dig out and uh, and keep. So th- there would have been some fortunes made. They talk about some um, some of the lucky stories. There was a, an old chap walked in with a, a son and they took pity on him. So they said, oh, look, mate, go and dig down there. It might be a bit easier digging or something or other like that. So today we still talk about Saul's Patch. At eight feet down or two and a half metres down in the ground, um, pull out opal that was about three inches thick. Oh, my God. Wow. That's insane. So, um, so yeah, he, he uh, did quite nice out of it. So, But one, one of Whitecliff's uh, claim to fame is that, yes, we were the first uh, opal field, they were out of here by the start of the First World War because the market was in Europe. 
But in 1903, they shipped seven tonne of opal. Official record, seven tonne of opal out of Whitecliffs for 1903, the calendar year. What type of opal is it? Well, in those days, uh, because there was uh, the story going around that um, green opal was bad luck, it was superstitious and all that sort of rot, and people believed it early 1900s, so the opal had to have red in it to sell it, um, and red's always been referred to as a money colour. So yeah. today uh, we sell every every conceivable colour that you can get in opal. If it comes out of your mind, we, we most certainly put it into jewellery and sell it. And, yeah, red's still, still very, very popular, but there are some absolutely vibrant blues and greens, emerald greens and some really vibrant blues that... Yeah, the, we sell as much of that as we do um, everything else. But yeah. Whitecliffs is renowned for crystal opal, which crystal opal is, the, the background is clear. Um, other opal fields have different criteria, but ours, what we're looking for is that clear background. We do get a little bit of um, smoky grey background. We get a little bit of um, a milky white background. But traditionally what we're looking for is just multicoloured crystal opal. And um, we think that's as good as you'll get. Yeah, and we're at the moment we're sitting out the front of your shop and it's built into the ground. So you actually go underground and most of Whitecliffs is like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the vast majority of people live underground. Um, people say, oh, yeah, it gets so hot out here in summer. Yeah, of course, there's plenty of days in the 40s, but <laughs> it's so dry. I'd rather live here at 42 and zero humidity than on the coast at 35 and 90% humidity. But even in the middle of summer, there's still people driving around out here. One lot, um, oh, about two years ago, from Denmark. And uh, the mum and dad didn't speak English and they had their daughters with them. And uh, I said to one of the daughters, um, what's the hottest your dad can ever remember at getting to in Denmark? And she thought, for a bit, oh, he thought 32. I said, well, I've got a, an outside thermometer with a probe outside the dial inside. I said, get him to stand by that and just take his picture. It was 47 outside. Oh, wow. And they were just driving around, air-conditioned yeah. cars. Yeah, you know, didn't matter. To us, like, because we're, I guess I'm from Dubbo and Lucy's from Canamble, coming out here really seems like you're in another world. So to other people who are travelling from Victoria, where you're from, it's just quite mind like another country, basically. Yeah, of course it is. And we, we have people from Canberra that come out here to escape the winter as well. And a lot of Victorians, half our miners are Victorians or ex-Victorians. You get hooked, you get the bug. Um, Is that what happened to you, Dick? Oh, big time. But what made you come from all the way from Victoria to Whitecliffs? I blame my wife. It's all her fault. She's the one that back in 1985 was sitting on the beach down there having a quiet drink and um, she said, I want to go somewhere different for a holiday and want to go and find an opal. So we ended up coming here and just fell in love with the place, us and the four kids. And... um, yeah, we just kept coming back, you know, for school holidays and just kept coming back and back and back. And then in 1991, we bought the dugout, the underground house. Um, that was going to be our holiday home. But um, in 2000, I went and pegged an old uh, old mine out in the field. First day down the mine, found a run of opal, a seam of opal, and it just, and it ran and it ran and it The ran. first day. First day down the old mine. Oh, wow. Old, old Joe, a guy that built a house of Stubby's um, bottle house down the town, he um, it was one of his old mines, and he literally shopped, stopped just a few inches short of where the opal oh. was, you know. See, that's what a lot of people say, don't they, that you can, you know, just strike luck one day. You've been mining for years and years and years, and then someone comes in and they just find the next stream of opal. Yep, exactly, exactly. And 
there's a guy from Broken Hill, uh, only been mining here, oh, I think this year, maybe late last year, but he took over an old mine the same as I did. Um, and basically, first day down the mine, he found some snails, opalized snails, and they're, they're a bit special. I've found one in 20 years, but this guy got a little patch of snails, and I think last count he was over 20. Now, at, a, at an average sort of guess, you'd say they're worth about a $1,000 each. You know, like not everyone, like pineapples, not everyone finds a, a, an opalized one of those pineapples. So, yeah. Can you tell us what attracted you to really come to White Cliffs? What was it? Oh, more the people than anything else. It's just, it's so friendly. It's it's just, just great. Other opal fields have uh, a, a bit of a stigma with them about, um, you know, warn you don't get out of your car and don't go noodling and fossicking. Well, when we first came here in 1985, that's what they told us to do. Go out in the field and have a bit of a scratch around. See see if you can find what the old miner threw away or left. And my son now, uh, Rusty, has gone under an old, what used to be a rubbish tip. He's pulled out about 70 old bottles and uh, quite a deal of uh, opalised wood and just stuff that the old miner said, oh, this is no good, and just threw it down the rubbish tip. It looks like champagne bottles and uh, a bit of whiskey and... Having a party. Cognac and, oh, <laughs> lots of things. So an average day for an opal miner, what does it look like? Well, for this one, I try to be in my mind before 7 o'clock in the morning. I do a couple of hours mining, come back at 9 o'clock and run the shop for the day. Rusty does a similar thing, except he goes back out mining. He'll work in our workshop, cutting and polishing the stones, putting them into jewellery. We do a good percentage of the stone work here ourselves. Um, it, it's our opal. So we, we get to choose. We don't. It's not something that we've bought off somebody and we have to uh, make money out of. It, it's our opal and, uh, uh, you know, we, we deal mainly what we call solids, which is just straight bits of opal. Probably oh, over 95% of the opal we sell here uh, through the shop is just solid opal. So that works good. It's all really good. And saying that, you've got two shops now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So you just decided that that was the market for it out here or...? Yeah, I suppose. The, the second shop we bought um, was where I ended up with bucketfuls of opal and what are we going to do with it? So we decided we'd uh, put a bit of gold and silver around and put it into a shop and uh, was uh, Joe's Stubby House, the house of Stubbies, is where we wanted to go first. Um, but old Joe, being a, a Yugoslav, was a bit manky on it and we um, <laughs> we didn't didn't quite see eye to eye and uh, so I walked away from it and came up here to um, the Southern Cross Opals where we are now, the dugout, and uh, did the first two rooms up as a showroom. Um, but about five years later, Joe rang me up and he wanted to sell, so um, we, we bought it. We now have a lady run it for us. Uh, and, yeah, that uh, that's worked out quite good for us. What's the population of Whitecliffs? Yeah, the, the summer population, the people that stay here all year round, is probably just under 120. And it goes to about uh, a normal winter. We'd go to about 160, 180, something like that over the winter months. That's our busy time. But we live underground. Most of us live underground. There'd probably, in summer, there'd probably only be maybe a dozen or 16 people that actually live above ground. And what I can't get over, so we were just going through your shop before and we're looking at stones. There was even one that was $10,000, but nothing's locked. It's white cliffs. If somebody wants to steal something from you, they're going to do it. So I think the vast majority, overwhelming majority of people are are honest. And, um, yeah, they're a bit taken aback that that nothing's locked. But, uh, uh, hey, it's white clips. With selling jewellery like this, who do you mainly sell it to? 
Um, in normal years, it won't be for the next couple of years, but in normal years, there's uh, a, a good percentage of European Northern Hemisphere people. And, and a lot of those still come out here in our summer, their winter, to get away from it all over there. But, uh, oh, I don't know, probably 75, 85% of our market is, is local, just tourists coming through, travelling around. It, it, Whitecliffs is a bit of a, um, a, a centre if people are going from here further out to um, Milparinka, Tipperborough, Cameron's Corner, further out to um, Birdsville and those sort of things. So it, it's a, a way from if you're coming um, out of Victoria, especially coming out through Broken Hill and, and up to here and head out into the into the um, the real outback, the accessible outback we call it. And can you tell us a bit about Joe's shop? You showed us Joe's shop made out of bottles. Stubbies, yep. Stubbies, um, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, he, old Joe was, um, yeah, he, he he must have just liked hard work or something because uh, <laughs> each stubby, he, and old Joe didn't drink himself. He was a teetotaler. So he, he it was a bottle dump for people around here that did partake. Um, so, yeah, he cut the neck with a diamond saw. He'd cut the neck off two stubbies and butt them together, put a bit of packaging tape around them to hold them. Um, he then got a little uh, wooden block as a spacer so that uh, all the stubbies are all nice and lined up, um, horizontal and, and vertical. Uh, he just, yeah, layer after layer after layer of, of stubbies and bottles. He, he, when we bought it, he told me there was 63,000 stubbies being used. Did it? He hadn't quite finished it. We had to finish the last room off uh, when we bought it back in 2012. But, uh, yeah, it... it it's, it's a painful operation to do it. And, and it, I don't know how in the heck he had <laughs> Because he still used to mine. Because when he well. showed us it, I was actually like, whoa, a lot of work has gone into this, you know. And it, it doesn't, it, you said it's not the best insulation either, is it? Zero insulation properties, yes. <laughs> White Cliffs to me as a whole seems like a bit of a quirky town. You never quite know people's stories. Is that kind of, a, I guess, um, part of its charm? Yeah, look, we, we don't have issues here with um, the, the closest police is uh, Will Canyon, 93k away. Um, I'm not going to say things get settled in town, but um, we have four ex-police officers here mining. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all, all good mates of mine, but once a copper, always a copper. So, you know, like you might be driving back uh, from your mine one morning and you oh, I might go a little bit faster than normal or something or other and all of a sudden you look over there and here's this guy standing by a drilling rig just watching you go past and you think yeah well <laughs> tomorrow I'll go a bit slower yeah and and saying that what has been your best day opal mining is there one day that just sticks out from all the rest it's probably my best day and worst day the day that I found that um, opalized pippy was was quite special the problem being that the clump of rock that that pippy came out of there was five pippies in it all fully opalized full color i broke three before i had to talk to myself and thought this wasn't a good idea and then uh, i used the diamond saw to cut the last one out and in the process with the diamond saw cut another one in half oh. so um it, it's i've got a price tag of ten thousand dollars on it in the shop in there it was one of five so, um, yeah, it was a good day because I got one, but it was a bad day because I ruined four others. Does it happen a lot? Yeah, you'll always put your jackhammer through the kingstone. The best stone in the parcel you find, you always hit it with a jackhammer. <laughs> you know, it's just Murphy's Law. 
It is. It's quite a, yeah, I'm really excited to be here actually and learning about. Um, and going down a mine. That was big for me. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I could do it personally, being underground for so long. Does that affect you at all or you don't even think about it? You don't even think about it. No. A, a lot of the, the couples that are here, it's a lady that usually does the jackhammering. Because the, the digging of the dirt is the easy bit. It's shifting it away. We're both, my son Rusty and I run blowers, which are just like big vacuum cleaners, and that sucks all the waste product out for us. But most other people run um, what they call a self-tipper. And th- there's you've got to load up a, a funny-looking wheelbarrow, they call them a rickshaw. You've got to load that up with rubble and take it over and tip it in a bucket and then up the, up the the um, goes up the surface and tips out. There's a, a fair bit of backbreaking work. So the easy part of it is the digging. So the lady gets to do that. And you're not going to believe this. This sounds a bit far-fetched, but every time your wife, partner has a special occasion, a birthday or wedding anniversary or Christmas or what doesn't matter, you can buy her a new jackhammer and she loves you for it. <laughs> is that what you've done? No, no. Well, I haven't had to. My 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 wife, whenever she's up here, she loves loves coming down the mine. Uh, I run a, a small compressor and a small air chisel, and she just goes off and does her thing with that. So yeah. How far is it from here to Barnsdale? Barnsdale. Barnsdale. Sorry. Barnsdale. <laughs> um, if if you can go over Mount Hotham, it's only a bit over a thousand k. It takes you about twelve and a half hours. Or winter time, we have to go through Melbourne. It's Best part of 14 hours. Oh, wow. At, at 12, 1,300 12, odd K. Not an easy commute. Uh, no, no, but uh, you, you get used to it. You know, you, you just put yourself on autopilot and away you go. Leave here stupid o'clock in the morning. At the moment, there's very few kangaroos about. They One of the unfortunate things for the last bit of drought we had, quite, quite tragic that mm. absolutely by the millions of kangaroos out here just starved to death. You know, that's... That's the cruel side of this um, this country out here. There was water, but there was just nothing for no them to feed. eat. Uh, even the old man saltbush, which uh, this country is renowned for, uh, most of that died, and there was just nothing for them to eat. And they would just literally curl up under a bush and, and go past a couple of days later and to be dead. And it was it was just sad to see, you know, it, really. And really it just sad. goes to show how vast and dry this part of the world is because how much average rainfall do you get a year yeah about 160 mil yeah you know um and this country will survive on that um it it's very forgiving it, do, it doesn't need much rain for it to be um, you know quite successful but um there yeah, before last christmas for the previous two and a half years it just basically didn't rain we got down to only a few weeks water supply for the town of white cliffs but they already had, the Shire had contingency plans to cart it out of uh, Broken Hill. Uh, I think they were going to bring out six loads a day or something, or something of that nature. So, yeah, they, and then it rained and everyone forgets all about it. And we, you know, Crack not on. a problem after that. Yeah. But there's plenty of feed you would have seen coming out here, um, you know, a nice green tinge on everything. Yeah. And what's hopes, I guess, for opal mining with you? Yeah, some, uh, some younger generation. Uh, my son uh, and, and one of his mates has come up and, and to go mining. But, yeah, just a little bit of younger blood. Um, there's plenty of guys in their 80s out here still mining. Uh, a, a bit like me. Wouldn't know, wouldn't know what else to do. Uh, you, you just you know, want, to, want to go opal mining. And are there yeah. opals left out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's still plenty of opals. Right. Um, 
if you had have asked me 10 weeks ago, I would have said, no, it's a mugs game. But then I found a, a nice parcel, and then uh, earlier on this week I got another parcel. So, yeah, no, it's all good again now. <laughs> Better be careful, loose will move in next door. <laughs> well, thank you very much for chatting with us, and, um, yeah, we're really enjoying Whitecliffs. Oh, you should. It's, it's a, it, it is a great town, and, um, yeah, we, we've had a few um, TV shows done here, and, and, yeah, everyone everyone falls in love with the place, and... It's uh, it's got a lot to offer, you know. Like yes, we're remote, but uh, you know, there's just so much, so much going on out here, and it's just, it is just great. Well, we'll we will definitely be back. No worries. So, Lou, yeah, how devastated are you that you didn't come home from Whitecliffs with a pineapple? <laughs> I knew this was coming. The $3 million gem. I am absolutely devastated. But I just want to let you know that I did find an opal and you were there and you experienced it. And It I'm, was the size of a grain of sand. And I've still got it and I'll have it till the day I die. <laughs> I went in not liking opal and I came back with that whole experience and I'm obsessed with opal. I, I still can't get over that they all live underground. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. Well, I understand why because it gets so hot out there, doesn't it? Oh, in gosh, White Cliffs. Yeah. yeah. But what I liked was that everyone was super friendly, super accommodating. You know, we sat down at the pub and had a beer and, you know, got later and later into the night and everyone sat around the campfire and had a bit of a yarn and, you know, there's heaps of tourists around. It's really quite a booming little country town. Definitely. And thank you, Dick, for lending us your own personal vehicle to let us discover the area and for also giving us an insight into what life is really like being an opal miner. Hope you strike it lucky soon. Yeah. Thank you, Dick. This is Outback Stories. This episode was brought to you by Outback Traders and their new line of headwear, Outback King. Outback King uses the finest materials to bring you the very best in headwear. And all their hats are finished by hand here in Australia. This episode was produced by Rihanna Mooney, music by Nate Skulls, Make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you're feeling generous and follow our journey on all of our social media pages.